Last week, I talked about the common tendency when we start a new year that we want to jumpstart the new year. And just like when that beater car of yours dies, you know, in the middle of the road, it's happened to me plenty of times, and you just need to get a jumpstart. And you just jumpstart that battery and get that car going, it fixed nothing, right? And so that's what we do oftentimes in our new years. We just want to jumpstart the thing. We just want to keep going, and we feel motivated and energy, but then we kind of fall into the same cycles, right? By March, we're out of the gym, right? And all these things kind of get back to the normal, and we just kind of feel stuck. And I'm asking you over this uh, January, and hopefully maybe it stretches even further. Maybe you need to think about this for a while, and it kind of dawns on you in July, to consider a reset. And essentially, a reset for your year, your next season in your life, a reset is all about relying on the grace of God, a little bit different. This would mean relying on God to even find out what areas in your life that needed some attention. I know God has given me this insight in some areas of my life I wasn't even thinking about. It didn't have to be in prayer and hearing God. That's a part of it. Maybe it's just a circumstance that you kind of have this aha moment. You need God's grace for God's strength to make change you cannot do anything on your own. I'm sorry. You need God. You need outside help. God will help you with that. And also just God's grace. Every single day, whenever you're trying to make a change, to start that change and say, God, I need you. Even before you start it, before you hop on that treadmill, before you get on that bike, right? Before you go to that new job and say, listen, God, this, I felt like you want me to do this. It's a crazy thing. I just need your help. And every day, pray that way and ask God for his help. Today, I want to continue by inviting you to ask Another question about yourself, to yourself, that will bring clarity to a part and area of your life that every single person in this room struggles with. I actually think that uh, no matter what your background may be culturally or ethnically, your age, demographic, whatever it may be, where you're from, that all of us struggle with this one thing, finding out what our purpose is. Really, just finding out and discovering what we're supposed to be doing. And I've seen people uh, whose life on paper looks awesome. They got that great job. They got this going on. They got that going on. On paper, it's the envy of everybody. You'd want that life and what they got going on. But they're somehow dissatisfied. This underlying thing that they just can't seem to get peace about this one area of their life. Because no matter how much money you have or what you got going on, I've found that you will not have peace in life unless you find peace with what you're doing, with what you're spending your time doing. Um, I believe that people do crazy things to find this. You know, they'll leave awesome jobs, right? They'll move across country in search of something. They'll leave a relationship, right? They'll explore, experience things to find out what am I supposed to be doing? Uh, we feel we need to have the satisfaction of that. Really great quote by JFK. It says, efforts and courage are not enough without purpose and direction. Wow. Have you ever felt like you've got that courage and effort and you're just spinning your wheels and you don't know where to go, what to do with it, where to apply it? So tonight I want you to consider just a couple things. First of all, that maybe this underlying satisfaction that kind of gnaws away at you, that kind of gets to you sometimes that you think about when it gets quiet, that underlying satisfaction may have something to do with your purpose. It may have something to do with what you are doing with your time, your skills, your talents, whatever it may be. And the truth of this matter here, church, is that we do want to know what we should be doing. Okay? I want you to think about that for a second. Would you consider tonight that that's dissatisfaction going on? Is that? And secondly, I want you to consider a story from the Old Testament that talks about 
um, this idea and gives an example of someone finding their purpose. So tonight I want to, a little bit later, give you one question that will bring clarity to what you should be doing. And it's actually a common question that I get as a pastor. People ask me, hey, how, do I, how in the world do I know from God what I should be doing? Okay. So I'd like to read from um, Nehemiah chapter 1. Okay. And it's kind of long, so I didn't put it on the screen. If you've got your phone you can, or your Bible, you can go there, Nehemiah chapter 1. And this is a story from the Old Testament that is about God dealing with somebody's heart and that turning into something that changed his surroundings. Okay. So I want you to take a look at this Old Testament story. And before I read this, kind of the background of what's going on here is that uh, the Jewish people have been conquered and their cities in ruins and uh, they have been exiled. And for many years, they go through this state where they don't have an actual state, an actual city, an actual place. They go through much suffering during this season. And this story picks up with Nehemiah. And this is from Nehemiah chapter one. I'm gonna read this and then give you a couple more background things. And then I wanna ask you one question tonight that will bring some clarity to your purpose, to what you should be doing. Okay, this is Nehemiah chapter one, verse one. In the words of Nehemiah, son of Hakaliah, in the month of the Kislev, in the 20th year, while I was in the citadel of Susa, Hanani, one of my brothers, came from Judah with some other men, and I questioned them about the Jewish remnant, that's the people that had left, that had survived the exile, and also about Jerusalem. They said to me, those who survived the exile and, and are back in the province are in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates have been burned with fire. Verse four, when I heard these things, I sat down and wept. When I heard these things, I sat down and wept. For some days I mourned and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. Then I said, Lord, the God of heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps his covenant of love, covenant's a promise of love with those who love him and keep his commands. Let your ear be attentive and your eyes open to hear the prayer your servant is praying before you day and night for your servants, for your people, the people of Israel. I confess the sins that we Israelites, including myself and my father's family, have committed against you. Verse seven, stay with me. We've acted very wickedly towards you. We've not obeyed the commands, decrees, and laws you gave your servant Moses. Remember the instruction you gave your servant Moses saying, if you are unfaithful, I'll scatter you among the nations. But if you return to me, and obey my commands. And even if your exiled people are the furthest horizon, I'll gather them and bring them to your place I've chosen as a dwelling for my name. Verse 10, these, they are your servants, your people, whom you redeemed by your great strength and your mighty hand, right? Out of Egypt, powerful things. Verse 11, Lord, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of this, your servant, and to the prayer of your servants who delight in, in revering your name. Give your servant success today by granting him favor in the presence of this man. He's about to go talk to the king. I was cupbearer to the king. Okay, kind of a high-ranking place. He'd taste the king's wine so it didn't have poison in it. Make sure that he wasn't poisoned, okay? And so real quick background here of what's going on in this um, story that we kind of pick up on, okay? There's some hurting people going on. The children of Israel have been conquered. Um, and... They go through suffering, and so Nehemiah is asking, hearing about this, and it just deeply burdens him. And so they were once a nation, and now they're really not one anymore, okay? 
The idea of being disgraced or that he talks about is this idea that as a nation, they're really not a nation, and they've got some broken walls around their city. Imagine in this back in the day, as a matter for us now, except Trump's kind of trying to build a wall. But anyway, you know, the wall of the city that Jerusalem is supposed to have in this, in this day and age back then, these walls are the defense for the city. So no defense of this wall means that you are essentially can be whatever, you, whatever your neighbors want. Right? You can, you're at their mercy. And so they're defenseless, they need protection, and this is the problem that's going on with these broken walls, and they're at the mercy of others, and this just gets to Nehemiah. They're vulnerable, they're humiliated as a people. And what we have happen is that we just have someone who noticed. We have Nehemiah who noticed. He was a cupbearer to the king. He was in a higher ranking spot to where he would have to have God's favor probably even to get to this moment where he can be with the king, have this kind of access and be close to the king. And we have this not so superhuman we just have a guy, and he saw something. His story teaches us that he felt something. He didn't just see what was going on. He felt something, and then he did something about it. We learn as we read through Nehemiah, it's a really great book to read on about leadership and those type things as well, because in this time, he had to gather and muster help people and supplies and all this together. And as the leader, he brings his people together, and it's a miracle. In 52 days, this wall was built that this all started with Nehemiah seeing something, feeling something, and then starting to do something about it. So, so here's the question, okay, church? Here's the one question that brings some clarity to what you should be doing with your life, okay? What breaks your heart? What breaks your heart? Like we're so busy that we're not listening to this right here and what's going on in there. Right? We've got so many other agendas that we miss this one incredible thing that's going on. I want you to consider what breaks your heart. As you enter this new year and you've got all your resolutions and seen on Facebook what everybody else is doing, is like, man, I want to lose 50 pounds too, right? I, I want to go run a marathon this year. I want to do all these things too, right? All that stuff and the noise gets in there. But I want you to consider tonight what breaks your heart. I want you to consider that really I believe that God speaks through your heart when it is broken. That God is actually speaking to you in the answer to that question, what breaks my heart? Like, what's the situation in your family, your neighborhood, your workplace, your community, maybe even this nation? What breaks your heart? You know, what is it that evokes that emotion for you? What is it that you can't stop thinking about? Like maybe it's an article, the news that you read and it just gets to you more than the next person. A story you've heard from a friend of yours or a coworker that says something happened and it just gets you deep on the inside. What breaks your heart? What's it about your community or your school? What captures your attention? What breaks your heart? And the story of Nehemiah, this thing broke his heart. This people suffering, the city without a wall, this broke his heart. And so I want to ask you, what breaks your heart? Maybe it's sex trafficking. You hear these stories or read these things. Is it poverty? That is breaking your heart. Is it the foster system and foster kids and all the need that goes on there? Is it people who are lonely and don't have friends? What breaks your heart? I think that what 
breaks your heart is what God is leading you to make better. What breaks your heart, church? I'm not talking about money tonight. I'm not talking about all these things that we want for our own um, uh, ambition or our own uh, accomplishments, but what breaks your heart? Here's a really great quote from Andy Stanley. He said, instead of one of my favorite speakers, well, instead of going into this year asking the question that most people will ask, what can I do about me? And what should I do about me? What if we ask the question, what should be done around me? I know that you start thinking about making a better you in the beginning of the year. But what breaks your heart? What could God be leading you to do that will actually make those around you better? As you're thinking about that and considering that, I wanted to tell, wanted to tell a personal story. Freshman year of college, I was 18. Left home, went to college, felt like God called me into ministry, so I went to a Christian school. It was both Bible college and you know, liberal arts and regular school degrees. I remember uh, as that, that first week began that you know, I just had so much time and nothing to do. Um, I prayed, I waited, I listened, I didn't know what to do. There was also a lot of different opportunities. I could find this job or do this work or volunteer here, volunteer that. Of all these things, I just began to pray and began to wait for direction from God. And so God began to break my heart. God began to just, in a few different conversations, and I began to hear about these stories of, you know, how often so many freshman students start strong um, their first semester. It was probably about 500 new students or whatever during that season. And during that time, I began to hear about sometimes homesickness is so powerful in their lives that they can't do it. And I hear stories and things that have happened and even statistically about how uh, maybe it's homesickness, maybe it's another challenge. Being a college student is you're poor, maybe it's eating rice and soy sauce as it's getting old or whatever, and it starts affecting your faith. And they lose their faith. Like, God, how could you put me in here? God, how could you not provide for me? God, how could you not do these things? Doubt creeps in, and then they actually lose their faith. And during this time, all I could explain was God was breaking my heart. I'd hear this over and over and the suffering that was going on, and it just broke my heart. I can't explain it, right? And I remember I was sitting in chapel the next week, and um, they had given an announcement that there's an opportunity to serve in student government. And I just remember thinking, I remember when they said, give this in mind, they said, if you want to do something for people around you, for the student body, you should do this. And I thought, man, God's been dealing with my heart, just breaking my heart about these people around me, these suffering students, what's going on, you know? I, I, I want to somehow do this. I, I want to get involved. All I could tell you is that God had shown me something. I, I, God had led me to feel something, and I decided to do something about it. And I remember I, you know, I was telling somebody I was going to run for office to be the freshman class president or whatever, and they literally laughed at me. Is that awful or what? It's like the most discouraging moment in my life. Well, the second, the first one is every time I get on a scale. But anyway, it's a discouraging moment, okay, you know? And I just remember thinking, well, it doesn't matter. God broke my heart. I don't care if you laugh. I, I'm thinking about this every single night before I go to bed. I got to do something about this. And so, you know, I ran for office and I won. And I, from then on, I began to do things for those around me. 
did this for three years, and then my senior year, I started a mentoring program for freshmen. So after years of this, I've just got breaking my heart, began to finally got to the point when I was a senior, I can recruit 20 to 40 mentors, staff and students, and kind of develop them and to be able to mentor incoming students and actually start making a difference in these students' lives. It was awesome. I loved it. And it came down to the one question, what breaks your heart? And that's all it was. Suffering around me broke my heart. I want to tell you also right now what's breaking my heart. It's the Seahawks. That game was terrible. (laughs) I want to tell you what's breaking my heart right now. Okay. If I were to ask this question and answer this for you tonight, what breaks my heart? Okay. Over the past three years I've been in this area, what has brought me to to tears during watching a show, you know, I'm watching on Netflix or a news article I read or someone sends me or, you know, a story I hear about in the local area here that literally keeps me up at night. Sometimes my wife wonders why I'm awake at two o'clock praying. It's because of this. This breaks my heart. It's this broken, suffering families. That's what it is for me. Broken, suffering families, both outwardly and inwardly. I have us burden for husbands and wives and parents and kids. Because, you know, you don't really even have to split up as a family to be broken. Did you know that? A family can stay together and it's, it's a mess. It's broken. This burdens me. This is God breaking my heart. Okay? Uh, suffering alone is just awful. And I, I feel like I'm on a life quest to bring Jesus to people because I know he's true life and he's true healing and I'm on this like quest to help people with this. I mean, I wish I could have the power and the opportunity to bring every husband in this area into the same room to listen to me for 10 minutes. I wish I had that power and that opportunity. I would get every husband I could get in a room, give me 10 minutes and I would tell them, I'd start with saying this, there's a beast underneath your surface, we got to talk about. That beast is going to wreck your family. It's going to wreck your job. It's going to wreck this and wreck that. Would you consider looking underneath the surface of the beast going on and say, Jesus, I need you. God, help me. Would you consider how this is a part of your life? If I can get every parent together, I mean, if I can get the whole, this whole room full of parents this got breaking my heart over this. If I get every parent in this room together and they gave me a few minutes, I would talk to them about how, listen, if you don't take a look at how you, in your family, you are affecting your kids now and the deposits you are making now, later on, it will be a mess. Like, if you can't take a good look at yourself now and say, I need help, God. And I need to work on these things relationally that I am damaging those around me, these kids, and what's going on right now that it's going to grow into a tree and then it's going to grow into a forest and there's going to be a divide that you seemingly can't conquer and then your kid's going to carry that to their family as well in every relationship they have, their job, their, their girlfriend, boyfriend, whatever it is, that's going to happen. I wish I could get all the parents together. Give me 10 minutes and I'll do my best to convince you there's a problem and I think we need help. This breaks my heart. It especially breaks my heart when I see it happen in the local area. It just gets to me. I mean, I wish I could have that power to do that, but I don't. I'll trust God. 
to bring the right people and for me to go out and do the right things. But here's the thing. For me, I get to be the lead pastor of the church. I get to design things. I get to lead the church forward and vision. Listen, this thing I honestly believe has been 20 years in the making for me. Maybe hard for you to fathom this, but I came to faith when I, in 1997. In 1999 is when I knew I felt God saying, you're gonna be in ministry and helping people. Okay, that's awesome. That's, leadership is nowhere near my name or what I can do, but okay, cool. Okay, I don't like doing any of these things, but great. And I remember in 1999, that's 20 years ago, praying for this church that I know it'd be in Oregon, no, not at all. But I knew God would send me one day. And I've been praying for 20 years. 20 years ago was my first time I prayed for the church I believed in faith that God would have me lead to help people, essentially answer the question, what breaks your heart, Nels? What breaks your heart? What breaks my heart does keep me up at night. Gives me a little stress. It gives me a little suffering in thinking about hurting people around me and what I can do and how I can help that. What breaks your heart? You say, well, Nels, I need to know what job to take. I need to know, like, this and that. It's like, I get it. But I am telling you, all those things can be taken care of for you. You can have a great job with money and benefits. You can have a you know, family, great family. You got all these things happening. You'll still be dissatisfied because you won't find peace in your life. And so you find peace in this truth that you need to know what to do with your hands. And all those things may not change in 2019. All those same frustrations, those same people will be there in 2019 unless you move to like an island somewhere, right? I'm telling you, church, this will reset your 2019 to consider this one question, what breaks what if you considered, not how I could be better, but what should be done around me for it to be better? Nehemiah was part of a larger story. Before him, God was breaking somebody's heart and leading them. And after Nehemiah, same thing. He just had his part to build a wall. Somebody else built a temple. He just had to build a wall. Somebody else did something later, right? So you and I are part of this incredible narrative, this incredible story of God still doing this. And I, in my life, in my however long I live, I just want to be able to do my part because I know I'm part of this bigger story. And God is going to be doing something later in people's lives. I want to do my part right here, right now. God, what is breaking my heart? It may take you months to figure this out. There's no timeline for your news and resolutions, right? This may take you, take you where, to a place where you do have a bit of emotion about a pain or a, an issue in this world that you just take a pause break and say, wait a second, what is this? Why am I so irritated? Why am I so angry? Have you ever had a righteous anger about something? What breaks your heart, church? What is it? You could go through your life doing all kinds of other things, making people happy, making your parents happy, doing this to be uh, better than the next person next to you, keeping up with the Joneses. They got this new cool thing. Let me get one too, right? You could be doing this all your life and you'll miss this. What breaks your heart? I think God is telling you, speaking to you through that. Could you do something about that? Would you stand with me tonight, church? God has shown me in moments of like this where I'm in a worship service and God begins to deal with me about something. Um, I've been in situations where it's a, you hear about a circumstance or a story and it kind of just burdens you. I've, I mean, I've just shed tears over what I 
my heart's breaking for right now is broken families, inward and outwardly, stuff that you can see and stuff that you can't. It breaks my heart when I consider our local elementary school and largely a poor neighborhood and it's 75% free lunch program. It breaks my heart because I know there's a lot of things there that probably are going on inside that family. I get frustrated and impatient because I'm task-oriented and I'm a driver. I, I get impatient when I feel like I can't help people and I can't change things. That's a whole different conversation. But those are all good things. This tension that I literally live in daily is leading me towards God saying, hey, what breaks your heart? Get busy doing something about it and I'll do the rest. And I pray for you, whether you are um, you know, under 38 and young like I am, I'm 37, so I'm still young. If you're under 38 and you're really young, you know, or if you're old and you're over 37, you know, no matter where you're on that spectrum, I believe that God wants you to make around you better. I think that's actually your purpose in life. Primary purpose is to be devoted to Jesus. You've heard me say that before, but I'm talking about what to do with your hands. I think it's making around you better. That's what I want to do with my life, and I want to ask you, maybe it's your school, maybe it's your workplace. You know, maybe it's something in the community. Maybe it's the schools here. Maybe it's something. What breaks your heart? Maybe for me, and I remember in high school, what broke my heart was people sitting alone during lunchtime. Is that silly to you? Like, that broke my heart. So I'm going to take half my lunchtime to pray for people. Like, just be alone praying for my school on campus. I'd, I'd grab the science lab because nobody goes to the science lab, right? I'd be there during lunch, my half my lunch break praying. And then this would just break my heart about the people in my school. And so God began to lead me, and I began to sit with people who were sitting alone. Imagine that. God will do that. Because Nehemiah, he saw something, he felt something, and he did something. And I think for you, if you just take a little time, I know your school breaks are done, work breaks are done, you're back in the busy and back in it. My wife and I were taking some time to, we call fast, where you kind of don't do something you normally do, like eat, kind of suffer a little bit, and you kind of have some clarity and focus on God. We're, we're doing this because we know we have one shot at this life, and we're saying, God, what do you want us to do? And I want you, church, and I'm harping on this, but this one question, can you answer it? What breaks my heart? dangerous question what breaks my heart Father as we enter into this time of worship I pray Lord for each one of us to have just this moment really a holy moment that doesn't have the interruptions of life Lord I just pray in this moment God we would hear what you're saying in our heart and we'd pay attention to what you're breaking our heart over God I don't care how big it is I don't care how much it's going to cost I don't care how many resources we don't have for it God I pray that tonight we would just consider 